Well, I am glad that y'all are here today. I'm going to be doing something different today. I was, I was going to say, is that me? Is that coming through the speakers? I'll tell you what. I got a note that said, slide change error. <laughs> so I'm going to be doing something very different today <laughs> while I'm trying to get this back up. Um, I was going to say that uh, I was going to do something I've never done before, but as I was racking my brain, I realized I have done this once before, but maybe you don't remember, so we'll pretend like I've never done this before. Um, I'm kind of not going to preach today. Uh, I'm going to let Jesus preach today. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, saying I'm going to channel Jesus or I'm, you know, his mouthpiece and I'm just going to speak what he... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. Um, I just feel the need that I want to cover. I want to preach the Sermon on the Mount today, and I just want to read the Sermon on the Mount today. And I want you to listen to it as if Jesus were speaking to you as the first time that He was speaking to the disciples that He was speaking to the first time when He preached the Sermon on the Mount. It's going to take up the majority of my time that I have to preach, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Um, talking afterwards but it's just something i feel like i need to do and i feel like i can do that i feel like that's okay jesus was a much better preacher than me anyways and i don't mind saying it um but before we do i want to i want to share something um let's see if it works all right i'm back on track I don't know if y'all can see this graph or not. I know the words are small, so I'm going to read it to you. Um, According to Bob Smitana from Lifeway Research, and henceforth I will continue to just say Lifeway Research, um, more than half of Americans read little or none of the Bible. This is a chart that says, how much of the Bible have you personally read? And so they sent out these surveys to people. And I, I really don't know what group they surveyed. I don't know how accurate this is of America, but I mean, I'm looking at it and it looks pretty accurate. If, if anything, it may be a, a little towards the, the uh, church, may be fudging the numbers a little bit to make it look better than it's supposed to, if anything. But here it says that uh, when asked, how much of the Bible have you personally read? 10% of those responding to the survey said none of it. Never, never read the Bible. Never picked it up and read it. 13% said, I've only read a few sentences. 30% said, several passages or stories. 15% said, at least half of it. 12% said, almost all of it. 11% said, I've read all of it. And 9% have said that I've read all of it more than once. The average Christian, much less the average American, the average Christian does not read their Bible. I know, because I used to not read mine. It's just, it's just the truth. Of those that said they read the Bible, how and why they read it. I didn't tell you how and why, I just said how much have they read. How and why they read it differed as well. 22%, which I don't have a chart for this, 
22% said they read a little bit each day in a systematic way. 22% said they read a little bit each day. A third, 35%, never pick it up at all. Don't pick it up. While 30% look up things in the Bible when they need to. 19% reread their favorite parts. While 17% flip open the Bible and read a passage at random. Ever done that? I, I, I know a lot of good jokes. Just about that method of open the Bible and point and read, and that's what God's saying to me today. That is a dangerous, dangerous way to read the Bible. Okay, please do not take that approach of, I know God wants to tell me something, or, or I have a decision of whether or not to move to this town, to take on this other job, to do whatever, so I'm just going to let God answer, so I'm going to open the Bible and stick my finger in and see what God has to say about this decision I need to make. Please don't. Please don't do that. Um, that is not the way to determine God's will for your life. I promise you, it is not. Uh, a quarter, 27%, reads sections suggested by others, while 16% say they look things up to help others. And you may have noticed those numbers add up to a little bit more than 100%, and that's just because they do. people tend to do more than one of those things. But today, I'm, I'm just going to let Jesus preach the sermon to you. I'm going to... I'm going to read to you the Sermon on the Mount. And, and like I said, I want you to imagine that you are sitting down listening to Jesus preach the sermon. And I want you to try to listen to His words as if they were the first time that you've ever heard them. Jesus' words are far more important than mine. And I know that it's important that you understand His words. And so it's important for me to teach His words from week to week. I, I get that. But his sermon was spoken to a large crowd, like, like today. And uh, he made sure that it was clear enough for everyone to understand. So I'm, I'm confident that you will be able to follow and understand what he has to say. I understand that if you had known that I was just going to read three chapters of the Gospel of Matthew, that uh, you could have easily just stayed home and read them yourself. But according to LifeWay research, half of you wouldn't have, even if I told you to. So, so I'm glad that you are here today. I will try to read it as if I were speaking it. Um, it will be on the screens. But I really want you to try and listen to Jesus' words if you, as if you were hearing them for the first time. These are the words of life. Your eternity hangs on these words. There's nothing more important in your life for the next 20 minutes than to carefully listen to these words with the intent to actually obey them. And that's where I want to add one last thing. What does the word Lord mean? In today's English, in 21st century English, the closest word we have to it is master. It means somebody that you obey. It means somebody you submit yourself to. They call the shots, they tell you what to do, and you do it. That's what the word Lord means. And King James, when the King James was written, um, Bible, Lord was a very common word. People understood it. Everybody knew what it meant. It meant, we probably don't need to get into all of what it meant, uh, but, you know, it was another word for boss. Today we use the word boss. Back then it was the word Lord. The Lord of the business told you what to do, and you did what the Lord told you what to do. You know, everybody understands that with a boss today. 
Your boss tells you what to do, whether you like it or not, you have to do it, or you've got to find another job. Um, everybody understood what the word Lord meant. Throughout the years of translations and retranslations, we've held on to the word Lord. We haven't chosen another word to help everybody understand what it means, but I just want you to know that's what it means. Jesus will finish this sermon by saying that only those who actually do what he says will be saved. In other words, he says that only those who obey him by turning from sin, repenting, will be saved. So it is extremely important that you actually pay attention to what he says. Don't, that's why I told you at the beginning. At the end, he's going to say, only those who have actually do what I just told you are going to be saved. And then you're going to say, oh, I wasn't listening. Now, I want you to know up front. So without further ado, I should have told you where to turn. Matthew chapter 5 is where we'll be starting. If y'all want to flip there in your own Bibles. All right. Before we start, let's pray. Father, we love you and Father, we thank you for your words. Father, we know that your words are the words of life. We know that when you spoke these words 2,000 years ago, you were telling people how to enter into a relationship with your Father. You were telling people how to enter into a relationship with God forever. In essence, how to be saved. And so, Father, we, we, we cling to these words. We cling to them. And, and I pray that we, as we cling to them, that we wrestle with them, that we struggle with them, that we pray about them, we memorize them, we learn them, we apply them to our lives, and that we obey them. Father, thank you for giving us the words of life and telling us how to be in right relationship with you. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. When he saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed or blessed? All right, well, I'm saying blessed, and so I just wanted to get that out because I know that I know I know it can be distracting. I know it can be distracting when you hear somebody say a word that you don't say it that way, and I don't want you to be distracted. I want you to actually know who's blessed. I want you to be paying attention to who's actually blessed. So, so blessed or blessed, however you want to say it, I say I'm blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you, and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice, because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. 
and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says you fool will be subject to hellfire. So if you are offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him to the court, or your adversary will hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out of there until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. But I tell you, everyone who divorces his wife, except in a case of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, because it is God's throne, or by the earth, because it is His footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great King. Do not swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black. But let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist any evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you, 
And don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. <clears throat> whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your offenses. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. 
yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged with the same, by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye? Hypocrite! First take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet. Turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. 
yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. Well, like I said at the beginning, only those who actually obey His teachings to turn from sin will be saved. That's what He talked about the whole time, turning from sin, repenting. Those who hear His words and call Him Lord, but don't obey His commands to turn from sin, are like those who built their house on the sand. When death comes, their house will not stand. But those who hear His words and obey them are like those who built their house on the rock, not a rock, the rock, the Scripture says. Jesus. And even death will not be able to separate them. It does you no good to call Jesus Lord if you don't do what He's told you to do. In Luke chapter 6, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic gospels. They say a lot of the same thing. In Luke 6, the same Sermon on the Mount, but just Luke telling us the count instead of Matthew, it ends like this. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed and the destruction of that house was great. So now, what are you going to do? Jesus called His disciples, not just the twelve, we're talking all of those who were following him. It said Jesus had hundreds, might have said thousands, I know hundreds, of disciples. He called them to action. He called them, and I know it sounded arrogant at the time, just try to put yourself there. You're Jewish. You've grown up Jewish. You've been taught the Scriptures and here comes a rabbi who doesn't go to school as a rabbi, who doesn't have anybody sign off and say we approve of him as a rabbi. Here's this, this guy who's a self-proclaimed rabbi comes and he says to you, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to obey me. You have to do what I tell you. Think of, think of how arrogant that sounded. But Jesus went on to prove himself. He went on to prove through his, his miracles and His teachings and the way He lived His life and His sinlessness and His resurrection that He was, in fact, the Son of God. That there was a thing called a Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus, then, His words carried a lot more weight. He said, 
you must do what I say. You must submit to me as your Lord. Because if you call me Lord, but don't submit to me as your Lord, then I will say to you on that day, I never knew you. Depart from me, you law breakers. What are law breakers? Those who live in sin. Break the, God's law. God's law breakers. Those who live in sin. He said you must repent. You must turn from sin. Are you going to learn them? Are you going to learn what God has called us to do? Are you going to learn what Jesus has commanded of us? Are you going to memorize them? Are you going to apply them? Are you going to obey them? Are you going to hold Jesus' words up as the source of life? I want you to make no mistake about it. He is not asking us to do something that He did not do Himself. If anyone is worth surrendering our whole life to, it's the God of the universe who left His throne in heaven to come live as a man and to die in our place so that He could bless us with a perfect, beautiful creation and future with Him. With no pain, no sorrow, no sickness, no death. He lived a sinless life. So when He commands us to turn from sin, it's not something that He was unfamiliar with. He always turned from sin. He's not asking you to do something He didn't do. And when He asked you to lay your life down for Him, He's not asking you to do something He didn't do. He laid His life down for you. This is not a leader who demands a lot and doesn't, doesn't lead by example. This is our perfect example. He loves you. He wouldn't have come to this earth and died for you if He didn't love you so, so much. Is He your Lord? Or do you just call Him Lord? Is He your Lord? Have you submitted to Him? If you have not, today is the day of salvation. There is no reason, not one, there is not one reason why you should put off submitting to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Not one. There's no sin in this world worth more than an eternity with God. A perfect eternity. No sin worth it. Don't let anything stop you from submitting yourself to Jesus Christ as Lord today if you have not already done so. And for those of us who have, I can go ahead and assure you, we have failed. I understand. There's probably no way any of us listened to that whole sermon and wasn't convicted about something. And as those who have committed to Jesus Christ as our Lord, we must never give up. Today's a new day. We ask forgiveness and we trek out for a new adventure. 
And you never give up. And you never turn your back on Him. And you don't have to worry about Him turning His back on you. Today's the day. If you have not given your life to the Lord, today is the day. Please stand and join us in our closing song.